Well, good morning. It's really a beautiful morning. And we're going to start the morning with a clip, a movie clip. And I have to tell you, Jeremy selected this clip, and I've never seen the movie. So it's going to be exciting for me, as well as maybe some of you. And so, Davis, if you would show the clip. I'm hung up right now. I should have it. Okay, I should have it. Let's try it. Can you hear me? Is it on? No, it doesn't sound as We're going to watch The Grinch. (laughs) And so let me tell you a little bit about The Grinch. I understand it's The Grinch who stole Christmas. And I understand he was pretty ugly and pretty nasty. And Pastor Jeremy gave me some words of wisdom about The Grinch. He said, while he's a little bit grouchier than most of us, I wouldn't go so far as to declare the whole season stupid. Apparently, the Grinch thought that this season is stupid. You see, our green friend does challenge the prominence that gifts have taken during the holiday. For all the fun and joy that presents can bring, Think about how many of you remember what you received five years ago. Do you remember gifts that you received one year ago? Anybody? One person. Oh, two people, three people. That's the result of gift giving. Now, I have to say that I don't remember what I got five years ago, and probably even last year, but I do remember gifts on my tree, because my tree, my Christmas tree, 
is a memory tree. And most of the um, ornaments on it were given to me by very dear friends, and most of them are handmade. I also have some that have the date on them. Ha, I know when those came. But I'm like you. I don't remember all the gifts that I get. Now, before we go any further with our discussion about gifts and gift-giving during Lent, I would like to look at the word conspiracy. That word really made me think a lot about what we're doing. And we need to know that a conspiracy is exactly a time when people get together and they do it in secret. And there are several definitions for it. And I think this is the simplest. A secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful. Plotting. Now, that's not what we're focusing on. That's not what we are doing. We need to think about making decisions to be open with others. This is a, a conspiracy to do good. This is a conspiracy to tell other people, to bring them to the Lord, to bring them to a new way of life. We are called to change our own decisions, to be open with others to what we're doing, and we are called to change our own behavior as well. Influence others to change theirs. Increase the love of God in the world. Isn't it a great conspiracy? And all of God's people said, yes or amen. And I didn't hear but two people. Isn't what we're doing a wonderful conspiracy? Yes. Now, something to affect change. That's what they say a conspiracy is. How did Jesus do this? How did Jesus make change? Two examples are when Jesus overturned the tables of the money changes in the temple. That was radical. And a second example is when he spoke to women when it was, forbid when it was forbidden. He was indeed radical. But yet he was clear about what he was doing and why. He was following his father's will. Yes, staring us in the face, our conspiracy challenges to let the gift of Jesus' birth inspire us to spend less at Christmas, and yet to give even more this year.
We need to remember our goal in life is to become more like Jesus. The important question before us is how do we do this and change our society, our church, our values, and our actions? And we find in 2 Corinthians that it says, free up as God's co-workers, we are urged you not to receive God's grace in vain. We say a lot about God's grace, but do we really receive it? Are we able to live more like Jesus? During this Advent season, as we wait the birth of Christ, we are exploring ways we can do this. And today we're focusing on spending less. And there are several ways of viewing spending less. And today we're going to take a few minutes to look at some of the ways. A few minutes ago we began looking at gift giving which includes the economics of our society. If we spend and spend and spend, we contribute to companies' increase in profits and sometimes provides more temporary jobs for many. But how does this affect us as well as our society? You see, spending less requires us to plan, to research, and to cultivate relationships. What about the personal nature of gift giving? Giving less does not mean we love our friends or family less. One year, I didn't have a great deal of funds And so what I did was I went to everyone that I would give a gift to and I said to them, I am giving you the most valuable gift I have. I am giving you time. And we all set a time individually and decided what we'd like to do. And many of you know I'm pretty busy. So time is truly a gift when I give it. You can give gifts of time. You can give gifts of love. You don't have to spend money. We look at spending from a let's look at spending from a Christ-like perspective as we come specific about our actions. First, we have to ask if we are taking our gift-giving cues from the gift of God who gave us his son, Jesus Christ. And now I'm going to read from Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24. Do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy 
and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we've heard Pastor Jeremy talk about our heart every Sunday. And so we, read to, we need to remember that our hearts reflect our life with Jesus. Spend less is an ambiguous goal, to say the least. And we need to ask ourselves some hard questions and some difficult questions. For example, why do I want to buy this? Why do you want to buy it? Because you like it? Or because you think the person will like it? Because it's inexpensive? Why do you want to buy whatever you buy? What kind of company am I supporting? You know, it's interesting because years ago, not too many, I worked for a fair trade coffee company. And I don't know if you know what fair trade is, but what they did in Africa, in Nicaragua, and other places, they guaranteed the growers a certain amount of money at the end of the year. No matter what their crops were or what their crops yielded, they got the same amount of money. That is a company that is worldwide that helps people. And so we know that when we use equal exchange coffee, and by the way, when I was attending the church, can I talk about attending a church elsewhere? No. <laughs> when I was attending church over at Rehoboth, guess what kind of coffee they served between services? Equal exchange coffee. And there are many churches in this country that do serve it. Can I afford to spend this amount? How many of us go into debt during Advent and Christmas? And what happens in January? We get a big credit card bill. And we realize just how much we have spent. And it's easy to use a credit card because you can't see what you're spending until the end of the month. That is scary. So one of the hard questions we have to look at is, can I afford spending this money? Now, another way we can look at what we are doing. Can you change it? Is how many presents do we actually need? 
And I have to show you something. I want to show you my Bible. It's torn. Some of the pages are ripped. But you know what? The Word of God is still in there. I don't need another Bible. Do I have another Bible? Yes. But I don't need it. And this one has signatures of all the people from a church that I served. It's a special Bible. And I've had it for years. The pages are even turning yellow. I don't need a new Bible. What do you need, really need? There's a big difference between what you want and what you need. And it's important that we ask that question. What do we really, really need? Now, to become more intimate with God, we need to say yes to different ways of celebrating Christmas. It is entirely possible for us to keep our traditions and make new ones and keep our eyes on Jesus. Ooh, is that true? Can we keep our traditions and keep our eyes on Jesus? If we are spending and spending and spending, do we have our eyes on Christ? How would we know that? Some of the other ways we can turn our focus and change our behaviors include a balance between our desires, and this is radical, the needs of others. And Jeremy just went through my part of my sermon when he was praying today. That shows that God wants you to hear, wants me to hear those words. Now, when we talk about needs of others, who do we talk about? What do you think? Who do, you, who do we talk about when we talk about others? Anybody? What? The poor? Well, I guess we have to really look at who they are. When we think about others. Anybody outside yourself? All right. How about this church? We have others in this church. And thank God we are not all alike in any way. Except we love Christ. And that's important. How about our neighborhoods? Jeremy talked about that last week. And our community, our state, our country. Believe it or not, we are to be in touch with the whole world. 
And how can we do that if all we do is spend our money on things that we think are important? You know, when we think about this with other issues and decisions facing us, we truly have to again go to Jesus' example. Remember, a Savior came to liberate us from our debt. Our debt has been paid. What does that mean to us during Advent and the spending of money? Hard question to consider, hard question to answer. Most of these are difficult questions. But we need to ask them. It's really, really important that you know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yes, that's part of the conspiracy. Knowing who Jesus is more intimately. You know, Jesus also gave us an example When he was being questioned by the Roman or Jewish officials, he answered them with God's will. And he told them that when he was asked, I am doing what my father wills. How many of us do that? How many of us pray before we do anything, including spending money, buying gifts, are going to visit someone. We have to turn to Jesus and ask what he wants us to do and how we are to do more than giving and receiving material gifts. Also, what satisfaction are we to discern in Advent? You know... Um, discerning is something that takes time. You have to spend time with the Lord and discern what it is that we are to do. Sometimes it agrees with us and what we already know. Other times it's very different and very hard to do. And this Bible is slippery from all the years it's been used. I'd like to read Matthew 25, 34 to 40. And I really want you to be aware of what this is telling us. Then the king will say, and who's the king? Jesus Christ. Then when the, then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something in drink. I was a stranger, 
and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needy, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Listen to the king's reply. I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of yours and of mine, you did for me. And then he talked to the people who weren't followers of him, and he told them the same thing. If you see someone else in need that is doing God's work when you help them. And usually, I don't know about you, but usually when we think about need, we think about the people who are on the street corners. We think about the people, who, the men who come to room in the inn. We think about those who say, help. But how many people are too proud to say help? How many people do we know that we face every single day and don't know what they need and don't know who they are? Do we take the time to know what people need? I think many times the answer is no. So when we talk about spending less during Lent, we need to consider our total wealth, not just financial. Are you willing to rethink the way you use your wealth? Reflecting on the meaning of God's gift to us, the Apostle Paul said, You will be made rich in everything so that your generosity will spill over in every direction. He doesn't just say it's going to spill over here. It's going to spill over in every direction. The great author C.S. Lewis believed the best way to break money's power is to give it away. But he shrank away from suggesting a rigid formula for giving. He said, This I do not believe. One can I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. Then he used an interesting word, afraid. I am afraid the only rule is to give more than you can spare. Consider all the giving we can. And will do all, not some, not special ones, but all the giving we can and will do.
what would our world look like if people of faith began acting on what Lewis said? What happens if we give more than we can spare in all walks of our lives? Financial, relationships, giving of things we have and don't need, our generosity to others we don't know, and importantly, our decision to know Jesus more intimately. Please, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart, Please give more of yourselves to God than you are doing at this very moment. Spend more of God's love than your possessions. Spend less of your possessions and give more. In 2 Corinthians 12:15 we read So I will very gladly spend for you everything I have. You know, we have a God that doesn't withhold. We have a God that gives us everything. And we need to give all that we are to others. I know each of us has the question of what can I do today? And you're going to expect me to say, don't buy Christmas gifts. That's not what I'm going to say. I want you to consider taking inventory of how blessed you already are. And I'm really going to recommend that you write it down so you can go back to it again and again. I want you to be creative with gifts. Personally make them. Call, visit, or even write a note or letter. We have outside paintings that the kids made. How creative. And they're beautiful. Donate old and unused clothes, books, and toys to a local or world organization. And, you know, we do this right here in our own church. We had Operation... um, Christmas child, we have feed the need, etc., etc., etc. Also consider buying one less gift this year and take a name from the angel tree. Most, most importantly, be sure to seek God's will in all your decisions and actions as you worship God and be more Christ-like while spending less. And now I'd like us to read together Psalm 26, 8. All right, everyone. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Turn to God first and spend less of what the world expects from us and give more of what God wants us to do. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this day. I thank you for your words. And Lord Jesus, 
May every single one of us change and become more like you. And all of God's children said, Amen. The ways for bringing God's message is this thing. It likes to slip down. So as we consider all the things that are given to us, one of the greatest gifts given to us is this. It doesn't cost much when you go to the store to buy it. The juice comes in a plastic bottle. When we really think about it and talk about it, it almost becomes like one of those keepsake ornaments that I have so many of. It helps us remember the greatest gift ever given. And that's why we do it. To give this, to, to understand when we receive it, that we're receiving once again the great gift of sacrifice and love that God gave to us. And so every time we get a little piece of it every week, it's like that keepsake ornament of the greatest love ever given. And we know the colors of Christmas are red and green, and we've talked about those things and their meaning. I love the poinsettias because, uh, and thanks to JR and the band once again for that, that's where we get our poinsettias. They came a little later this year. That's why they're different than last week's, so they're mixed together. But when you look at them, you just, those are leaves. They're not even flowers. It's an amazing plant because what is color is a, is a, is a leaf, not a flower. When you think about the deep crimson red of that the, and the blood of sacrifice that Christ gave to us, it just seems to come alive. Next week we'll have the poinsettia cross that's right here. And I love it because it just, it just symbolizes everything put together. And the interesting part about this is that without the white, the red wouldn't look the same. Think about it. You need the contrast in order to understand the red. You need to understand what sacrifice looks like and to know that in our lives. And so as we come together and remember this everlasting gift given to us symbolized by the holly and the fir tree and the cedar and, and all the pieces of the, of the season, may we never forget in our hearts what it is that Christ came to do is not just for right now. It isn't the baby who was born that changes us and makes us who we are. It is a man, the Son of God, who goes to the cross and gives us new life. This is just the start. It's not the end. We mentioned that in the, in the service yesterday. And the fact is, is that my dad was a big Gandalf fan. And so and he loved uh, Gandalf and Lord of the Rings, the books before the movies. And one of the quotes in there, and I don't have the whole thing, but, but they're basically in a big battle. And they're about to lose the big battle. And the, one of the characters says... I didn't think this is how it was going to end. And Gandalf, in his wisdom as usual, turns to the character and says, End. This is not the end. This is only the beginning of a new journey. We all must go down death's door in that journey of death. And Christ knew that. 
And so he gives us new life, knowing we're all going to die. That's the new life. That's why we celebrate all of this. Because his birth gives us the new birth. Let us pray and let those coming forward come forward to serve. Gracious God, we receive this gift of new life. We not only remember a baby born in a manger, but we remember the Son of God willing to die on a cross for us and to be resurrected for our sakes when the stone was rolled away. That's the story, the whole story. Let's begin that story again in our hearts and in our lives. Let it never lose sight to the magnificent glory of the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the Prince of peace. Bless these elements now in your name as we receive them. May we remember all that you've done for us as we take them. The power of the Holy Spirit, bless them now. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. People of God said together, amen. I'll meet you down at the middle. Mm-hmm. Come forward to receive this morning this gift of God that never goes out of style. You don't have to return and is always faithful and present for us. Let us receive this morning as we come. Seen the glory of the coming of.
blasted in the battle hymn of the republic can become a song of peace with just a few changes of words. Because in reality, anything can become the song of peace with a few changes of the words and the change of our hearts. May you go forth with the peace you needed to find today, whatever that might have been. And may you go forth into the world to bring peace. And may you serve the Prince of Peace by serving others around you. May you spend less. May you give more. May you find the way to bring peace to someone's life this season. Amen. Amen. Before we go today, let's sing one of our favorite Christmas carols. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. <laughs>